Welcome back. This is A Man on Target, and I am your host, Jack Pendergast. This week, we are in part two of a six-part series on living fulfilled lives as men, and really, lives of integrity, with focus and precision. In part one, we talked about four ways to put God first in our life. This was a super practical approach to what is a very spiritual part. So if you missed that episode, I recommend you go back to episode one and check it out. I'm super excited to talk about this week's topic. This week, we are talking about marriage and specifically the roles we are called to as husbands in our marriages. These five roles are one, leader, two, a laborer, three, loyal, four, a learner, and five, a lover. These are all areas I have been working on to improve myself, so I thought this would be a great topic to talk about. The reality is, all of us fall short in one, several, or possibly even all of these areas. And if we're honest with ourselves, and we approach this discussion with humility, we all can improve in each one of these areas at some level. I mean, there's always room for improvement in all we do, right? So let's jump right in. The first role of a husband is a leader. Every husband is called to be a leader. 1 Corinthians 11.3 tells us that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, the head of a woman is man. Now, I know this verse and others like Colossians 3 are often cited that women are supposed to be submissive to their husbands. And this is true, but this word submission often gets twisted and taken out of context. Paul also wrote in Ephesians 5 for husbands and wives to submit to each other. So this isn't just a one-way road here. He then follows by outlining what that looks like, specifically when it comes to a husband's submission to the wife. He says, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He, Jesus, gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. Submission in marriage means selflessness, service, accountability, and love and respect for your spouse, which should be mutual. I believe we often miss the point that these verses are establishing that the man of the household is the leader, but we forget what that looks like. And let's be clear. Leader does not mean Lord. Leader is not dominating, abusive, bullying, angry, controlling, or a diminishing man. Men who are leaders do not beat their wives, talk down to them, put them in their place, quote-unquote, cheat on them, or cause pain and suffering in any way. A man who is a leader loves, nurtures, respects, elevates, encourages his wife. He walks alongside her, listens to her, and helps her when she needs it and asks for it. Furthermore, this means your wife needs to trust you to lead. That's what a woman's submission looks like. Submission looks like respect. So ask yourself this. Are you leading in a way that your wife can trust and respect you? Trust you to make the right decisions? Trust and respects you to make the tough decisions? Trust you to lead her and your children through good, bad, and the ugly? Now, don't get it twisted. You aren't on an island here. This doesn't mean you make every decision at every moment for each member of your family. Not in the least. You and your wife are equals here. My wife Jen and I have been working to discuss every decision. And I mean every decision. Now, I know this may sound extreme, but it's true. 
this is something we have worked towards and continually improve on. So some examples of what this might look like. If I buy something from Amazon, I talk to Jen first and vice versa. Do we have a margin in the budget? Is it something we actually need or can we live without it? Now, this might seem trivial, but this simple example of this type of communication has really improved our marriage. Now, when it comes to the big things that we can't agree on or maybe just don't know what direction to go, uh, she puts her trust in me to lead us through it. She trusts me to make the big, tough decision if we cannot come to a resolution. So what does a leader look like? Well, here are four qualities of a leader. One, a leader is proactive. God expects men to carry the responsibility. And unfortunately, today we have a pandemic of men that have become passive. Men who are content with their wives leading them and the household. Men need to be intentional and initiate their plans of action. Whether it's the budget, taking care of the house, raising your kids, providing for your family, it's your role to be proactive, to be the first to take the next step or first step. Your wife wants and needs you to be a proactive leader. Trust me in this one. As a man, the leader of your household, you cannot be passive in your leadership. It isn't enough to have the thought process that I did my part. I went to work today and the house and the kids are all my wife. That isn't fair to your wife or your kids. We can't be an Al Bundy. And if you don't know who Al Bundy is, just do a Google search. You'll see. So we can't be an Al Bundy coming home from work, sitting on the couch with a beer and calling it a day. I heard someone say that being lazy is unfair to those who support you. So how can you be more proactive as a leader? Here's a couple suggestions. Initiate family meetings with your wife and even kids. Discuss your budget. Make a schedule for the week. Help plan dinners and delegate chores. And let me touch on scheduling real quick. I bet if you evaluated the stress in your marriage, you would see a huge chunk of it has to do with mismanaged or completely unmanaged scheduling for things you and your family have during the week. If you and your wife sit down for 15 minutes and discuss appointments, where everyone has to go for the week, who's driving who, where, you will cut a huge portion of the stress from your marriage. It's too easy now to have a family calendar on your phones and a plan so everyone knows what's going on. This would be a great place to take that one step this week to becoming the best version of yourself. Okay, second quality of a leader, a leader pursues God. A man cannot be a good leader if he is not a good follower of the Lord. That means every man's job as a leader is to be a disciple of Jesus. And furthermore, your manual is the Bible. Your manual is not how your dad treated your mom or how he treated you, not how your grandpa treated your grandma or stepdad treated your mom, but how the Bible describes how you treat your wife and your children. Pursuing God means going to church, reading your Bible, time in prayer and worship. A man of God pursues God. The third quality is a leader is a pastor of his home. You are the pastor of your home. And whether you believe in God or not, you could still be a pastor of your home. As a leader and a pastor, you take your family to church on Sunday. But I know you're saying, well, my kid has soccer. No, they don't. You are the pastor. You decide what your kids do on Sunday. 
let's be real here. Your kid more than likely is not going to be a professional soccer player or baseball or football or cheerleader or gymnast or whatever sport or activity they might be in. Your first role as pastor of your home is to lead your family to church. You don't ask your kids what they want to do. You lead them to church. You will never hear someone say they took their kids to church too much, but you will often hear they wish they took them more. Being a pastor in your home also means you have to live out Christian faith in front of your wife and kids. It's not good enough to just take your family to church. If your wife and kids never see you with an open Bible or praying or worshiping, you are not pastoring your family. If a man leads his family to church but is seen at home with a TV or game controller in his hand more than a Bible, that husband will not have the respect of his wife and children. And when your wife or kids are struggling or hurting, you are the first to pray for them. You are the first line of defense for them when they need a word from God. Yes, we should ask our community for support and prayer, but it all starts with you. A leader is a pastor. All right, and on to our fourth quality of a leader. A leader is a protector. It's no secret that men are physically stronger than women. Well, in most cases, at least. I know some physically fit women that I would not mess with. But by and large, men are designed and built stronger than women. We were originally designed not only to hunt and provide, but also to protect our family. But this doesn't just mean protecting our families if a physical altercation happens. Protecting also means providing a roof over their heads, food in their bellies. This also means knowing the content our kids are consuming, who they are hanging out with, what they have been taught in school, and taking action when things go sideways. Protection is more than being physically strong, it's being mentally and emotionally strong as well. As for physical protection, yes, that means protecting your wife and kids from would-be assailants. But more often than not, this doesn't look like you're going fist-to-fist with someone. It often takes the form of what looks like old-fashioned chivalry. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's say you took your wife out for a date night. And side note, you should be doing this on the regular. And you're walking back to the car after dinner. You're walking down the sidewalk, and you, as the protector, you walk along the street side of the sidewalk, keeping your wife on the inside and keeping her away from traffic. During this walk, you are keeping an eye out for things around you. Situational awareness. What is that suspicious-looking guy ahead of us doing? Why is his hand in his pocket? That kind of awareness. You approach the car and you open the door for your wife and close it behind her. Not just because it's the right thing to do and she loves when you serve her, but also because you're keeping an eye on things, making sure she doesn't get hit by a car or isn't left exposed to a threat. Imagine you just walk up to the car and let your wife get in by herself and as you were getting in on the other side of the car, some dirtbag grabs her purse or worse, grabs her. Makes you think different about chivalry, doesn't it? A leader is a protector. Okay, on to the second role of a husband. A husband is a laborer, simply meaning he works and provides for his family. From the beginning, men were designed to work and provide, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You were created to work, to create, to manage, to build. But 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially of his household, He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
I don't know about you, but that one cuts kind of deep. In the U.S., back in the 1950s, of men of the working ages of 25 to 54, one out of 50 men didn't want to work. Today, it's one out of nine. That's roughly 7 million able-bodied men who don't work because they choose not to work. These guys are on unemployment or welfare or freeloading off their wives or girlfriends' backs. And let's be clear, this isn't men who can't physically work, like injured or disabled men. These are men, or should I say grown boys, who choose not to. Your wife is not your sugar mama. She shouldn't be busting her hump to provide for your family on her own. As a husband and laborer, it's your duty to work and provide. Now, this is not saying your wife shouldn't work. If she has that desire, she absolutely should. And you need to support her in that. But at the end of the day, when things are on the line, it's your responsibility and calling to be a laborer and provide for your family. Now, maybe you say to me, well, I'm starting a business or I have dreams to do my passion full time. Cool. That's great. Go for it with all you got. But your business or passion needs to start as a side hustle. You work your day job and you work in the side hustle on the side. You bust your hump at night and on weekends to build that dream. And when and only when that dream replaces your income is when you make the switch. Don't quit your job and have little to no income coming in because you have a dream. That's just irresponsible and not what God will want you to do. God would not lead you or put you in a position that would leave you and your family in a precarious situation. So again, a husband is a laborer. And the third role of a husband is to be a loyal husband. Now, this seems like a no-brainer, right? We don't cheat on our wives. Cool. Yeah. Got it. Or at least I hope you agree with that. God ordained marriage as one man and one woman. That's it. But besides adultery and infidelity, you know, like physically cheating, let's talk about some common pitfalls that we don't really think about. Most infidelity is the result of something casual or even work-related, something that starts innocently but quickly turns your life upside down. These pitfalls lead to emotional adultery. And yes, that is a real thing. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount that even lusting after a woman is considered adultery or cheating. And an emotional connection with a woman other than your wife will lead you down a path you do not want to be on. So how do we avoid this? Well, as a married man, you cannot be alone with another woman. This needs to be a core value of yours. First, it just looks bad. But besides the perception, being alone with a woman who is not your spouse opens the door for bad things to happen. So what might this look like? Well, maybe you have a female coworker and you two have to discuss a project for work. Well, you don't do this behind closed doors at the office or with the two of you out to lunch. You have that meeting in a public office space and, if possible, with other fellow workers present. Apply this to other areas, too. Say it's a woman you volunteer with, uh, maybe coaching a kid's sports team or someone you serve at church with. You make it a policy of yours a core value that you do not meet with a woman who is not your wife without someone else being present. Another common pitfall is texting and messaging a woman who isn't your wife. 
Maybe it's an old friend or someone from work, or it's an old girlfriend, which is double trouble. You cannot engage in private messages with another woman. Again, this opens the door for cheating. Sure, it starts out innocent, right? You're just catching up. But the next thing you know, you two are exchanging little flirts that maybe leads you guys to sending each other selfies, then leads to pictures that are inappropriate. Next, you find yourselves meeting up for coffee, then maybe dinner, or even worse, a private meetup that turns intimate. Now, I have quite a few women that I work with or even serve with at church, and I always make sure that if I am meeting with a woman, someone else is around. Same with text or messages. I try to make sure it's in a group text or message. And here's a real example for Jen and I. Jen and I have a good friend, a woman, who moved to another state, and we try to keep in touch with her just to see how things are going. And when I text her, I include my wife on that text. Not because Jen doesn't trust me or... I have feelings for her. It's just to protect my marriage. And if I'm talking on the phone with her, I do it with Jen present. This is a core value of mine I put in place to protect the sanctity of my marriage. Another pitfall to avoid is sharing about your marriage with another woman. Maybe you're in a rough patch in your marriage and you are innocently talking to a female coworker about it. She starts to console you, maybe even pray for you if she's a believer. This is a dangerous zone to enter. You are talking or even praying together, forming an emotional bond. Next thing you know, you are starting to have feelings for her or even fall in love with her. Now you are emotionally cheating on your wife. And let's be clear, this goes the other way too. Do not engage in conversations with another woman about her marriage issues. If you need counsel for your marriage, you ask a male friend. Or you and your wife go to another couple for advice or to your pastors. And the last point for being loyal, if a woman is flirting with you or you find yourself flirting with her, you shut that down. Yeah, it feels good to be hit on or flirted with, but we need to remove ourselves from those situations. You and your marriage cannot afford to open that Pandora's box. So assess your relationships with other women and truthfully ask yourself, if you have solid boundaries in place to protect your marriage. A husband is loyal. All right, the fourth role of a husband is to be a learner. So let's talk about a couple of ways we can be learners. First way, we have to be a student of our wives. In 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter writes for husbands to dwell with their wives with understanding, giving her honor. So simply put, this means you have to figure your wife out. And honestly, let's not make this too complicated, guys. If your wife likes something, you do it. If she doesn't like something, you don't do it. So figure out what makes your wife tick. And furthermore, what she liked or was interested in when you guys met 5, 10, 20, or 30 years ago is probably way different than what she likes today. We all change as we get older, so just be conscientious of this and look for the clues. What has she taken interest in lately? Maybe she has taken a liking to flowers and gardening or pictures or art to hang on the wall. Maybe it's baking. And honestly, if you can't think of anything or figure it out, swallow your pride and just ask your wife what she's interested in. Another way to be a learner is to grow in knowledge. Read some books. Listen to more podcasts. The good news, if you are listening to this show or others like it, you have already made that decision to be a learner. So let's level it up. 
Get some books on how to be a better husband, father, and a leader. And if you aren't a huge reader, let me challenge you to start reading more. You can easily read one book a month. Most books for improving yourself as a husband are, I would say, 30 chapters or less. And honestly, most are probably 20 or less. So set yourself a goal to read one chapter a day. And there you go. You got one book a month, 12 books a year, and plenty of margin in between. The amount of knowledge you will gain from a book a month is unquantifiable. This is a goal I have set for myself, so I challenge you to join me in this. All right, so a husband is a leader, he's a laborer, he's loyal, he's a learner, and the fifth role of a husband is to be a lover. This kind of ties into being a learner in a lot of ways and really all the roles. Leading, laboring, being loyal, and learning your wife are all ways to love your wife. Women don't just want to be loved. They want to feel loved. When you step into these roles as a husband, you help your wife to feel loved. But for us men, we are much simpler. I tell my wife all the time I love her. That's all it takes, right? Nope. No, sir. It is not enough to just tell her you love her. You have to show it. She has to feel it. So what are some real practical ways to make your wife feel loved? First, and again, this is super practical. Buy your wife a gift, like flowers. I haven't met a woman yet who doesn't appreciate flowers. And be spontaneous with it. Send them to her work on a whim. You know, no special event or day needed. Although, don't forget those guys. Take it from me. Even if your wife says she doesn't want flowers or expect them, you still do it. For the longest time, I didn't bother getting my wife flowers other than like our anniversary or her birthday. Because she always said she didn't need them or want them. But then one day I decided to just bring her flowers on a random weekday. I could tell instantly that that simple gesture of walking in the house with flowers made her day and made her feel loved. So I do it more often now. I also started bringing flowers home for my two daughters. This is a great opportunity to show them what love looks like through giving. Now, the key here is to not overdo it. I mean, like not every week, guys, but to do it enough where it still has that shock and awe and it's completely unexpected. Another way to make your wife feel loved is to help around the house and without being asked. So load the dang dishwasher, take out the trash, make dinner a couple nights a week, carry the heavy basket of clothes out from the laundry room. Your wife's love language may not be acts of service, but Random acts of service are deposits in her love tank. And to wrap this one up, PDAs, a.k.a. Public Displays of Affection. Hold your wife's hand when you are out on a night on the town. Kiss her in public, hug her, and we talked about this earlier, but hold the door for her. Open the car door. Walk on the street side of the sidewalk. You know, good old-fashioned chivalry. Your wife will feel valued and loved when you value and love her in public. And let me add this. Love on your wife in front of your kids. Hug and kiss your wife in front of them. Hold her hand. Yeah, they will say it's gross. But show them what love looks like by showing them you value and honor your wife. So again, the five roles of a husband are a leader, a laborer, loyal, a learner, and a lover. So What steps will you take this week to be a better husband? Which role do you need to work on? I know which ones I need to work on. So that'll wrap things up here, guys. I just want to thank you for joining me today. 
I have been truly blown away by the amount of listeners that have tuned in these first few episodes. So thank you so much. And if you got value out of this podcast and would like to support me, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. That's the only thing I would ask. So until next time, be a man on mission, intentional, focused, and precise. Live as a man on target. Thank <laughs> you.